Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Winging It with Vince Carter and Annie Finberg is back in full swing for its second season. Catch up on recent episodes with guests like Wyclef Jean, who talks about growing up in Haiti, hip-hop as a teacher, and performing with a goat. And you can hear from tennis phenom Coco Goff on beating Venus Williams at 15 years old. You can listen to Winging It on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Ringer MLB show. My name is Michael Bauman, and I'm a staff writer at the Ringer. And we promised this offseason that we would come to you with new podcast content whenever there's uh, significant breaking news. And uh, here on this Monday afternoon, precisely that has happened. The Detroit Tigers have signed right-handed pitcher Yvonne Nova. Uh, Ben Lindbergh, I think this really gives the Tigers a significant edge in there. Like, this is a scary, like a pretty sneakily good rotation now when you look at Matt Boyd and Spencer Turnbull they've got Casey Mize in the pipeline uh what's your what's your thoughts on how the Tigers rotation is shaping out yeah they really needed that rotation depth how long are we sticking with this bit uh we could stop now uh, so uh, the two of us are joined by Zach Cram uh to discuss the uh shocking shocking inappropriate word yes well, I, I think it all would have been mind-blowing a few months ago, and we were kind of conditioned to expect something like this by reports in the interim. So I guess the specifics, of course, we were talking yes. about the, the punishment of the Astros sign-stealing here. A lot of little details came to light that surprised me. The punishment is harsh and severe, but I was sort of expecting it to be harsh and severe. So it's simultaneously as expected, and yet also still somehow shocking to see it actually happen, as opposed to being rumored to happen. And I think maybe the firings that followed the MLB report might be the most shocking aspect of it all. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. So let me, before we uh, get too far into this, actually run down the the line items from the, the punishment. These are the, the headlines. Uh, Astros General Manager Jeff Lunau uh, and Field Manager AJ Hinch have both been suspended for one year. Um and were both fired by the Astros shortly after, within like an hour and a half of the of the report going up. The Astros will lose two first round and two second round picks. Uh, likely, the report essentially laid out it will be their next two picks in those rounds. So if they sign a free agent, lose a pick, they don't get out of the punishment, and it'll just shift. Um, and they've been fined five million dollars by Major League Baseball, which is the maximum allowed by the commissioner's office. Uh, more discipline is coming for former Astros bench coach, now uh, Boston Red Sox manager Alex Cora, who was identified in the report as one of the ringleaders uh, of the sign stealing operation. Uh, also singled out in this report is former Astros general or uh, Astros assistant general manager Brandon Taubman, who was most recently in the news for berating a female reporter uh, in the clubhouse after the Astros won the pennant. Uh, he has since been. Fired by the Astros, suspended for the 2020 season by Major League Baseball. And Rob Manfred said, uh, if he was essentially said if he wasn't suspended already, he would be suspended for this. Uh, maybe the most, I don't know if this is surprising, but the only place where Rob Manfred takes his hand off the gas on this is he says there will be no discipline against Mets manager Carlos Beltran, who is a player uh, involved in the sign stealing scheme uh or any other astros player uh so zach cram we have not heard from you yet you wrote uh, a nine 
takeaways from uh, from this report. Why don't you lead us off with maybe one or two of the highlights for you? What are what is the big picture here? So I think the number one takeaway for me uh, that was new, you know, because we learned a lot of this information in the athletic report that kicked off the whole scandal two months ago, is that. Uh, the scheme that the Astros used, banging the trash can as they stole signs, went through the 2017 postseason. The initial athletic report was conflicted. They had some sources saying they used it through the playoffs and some sources saying they didn't. And this was important because if you remember back in August 2017, the Red Sox had gotten a slap on the wrist with a fine because they uh, were caught using smartwatches in the dugout, which you're not allowed to use electronics there to steal signs. So Manfred basically reiterated the rules at that point and said, all right, here's the line in the sand. If you've been stealing signs before now, then you'll probably be able to get away with it. Don't do it anymore. And the Astros continued to use it. Of course, they won the World Series in 2017. So now uh, that title was not taken away. I don't think that was ever an option because there's no precedent for it. But this report gave convincing and conclusive evidence that the Astros first championship in world in franchise history came as they were stealing signs yeah and my takeaway from your column is you have in bold type the the phrase banging scheme and it was very interesting to see that phrase in a baseball context without pat burrell being involved somewhere in that paragraph so new ground for everybody uh ben what what stands out here to you well, I, I think the very thorough reporting of Evan Drellick and Ken Rosenthal clued us into a lot of this. And really, if you think about it, it's somewhat shocking that we would not have known about any of this if they had not blown the whistle. <laughs> I guess whistling is now part of the Astros sign stealing. But I think given the rules changes that MLB had already implemented to try to prevent sign stealing in, in the past couple of seasons, it's clear that they knew something was going on, that they had heard rumors, and they weren't really moved to investigate any of it until these reports surfaced, until Mike Fires came forward, arguably belatedly, I suppose, but still he did come forward and this was reported by The Athletic and that's really what started this whole thing. So I think MLB must have had some inkling that something was going on. I mean, Jeff Passan had previously reported that something was going on, although he didn't have players on the record corroborating it. And so I think we can conclude that MLB probably would have been happy to just let this go and change the rules. And it does seem as if maybe some of these abuses have been curtailed or prevented. There's no corroborating evidence in this report that anything was going on in 2019. You can choose to be skeptical about that if you like. But MLB did institute some new policies that made it harder to do what the Astros and reportedly the Red Sox were doing. So it's possible that this is all in the past, but I think there should be some healthy skepticism about that just because the history of sign stealing dates back to the beginning of baseball, basically. And so yeah. my real question is, well, what are we going to do to prevent this in the future? And what sort of schemes can we put in place to make it impossible to steal signs? But that's maybe a, a subsequent conversation. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that later. I, I do want to circle back to, and Zach singled this out. Uh, as well as the September 2017 directive, essentially saying we know something's happening, knock it off. And this whole this whole thing strikes me as something that Major League Baseball would have been uh, perfectly happy to just sort of not sweep under the rug. But if 
to to deal with quietly on its own um, and not have to go through this kind of public relations crucible that they've they've had to endure uh, so far this offseason. Um, and this is not necessarily a punishment for the crime of stealing signs. This is a punishment uh, for essentially for for years and years of bullshit. And this is just the the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think if you read the report and by the way, kudos to whichever of Rob Manfred's staffers uh, put together that report, because it's a really like, as, as these things go, this is a really nice piece of writing. Um, but th- he's unsparing uh, when it comes to Jeff Luna. And he echoes a lot of the speaking of El- uh, Evan Drellich and, uh, and Ken Rosenthal's reporting the, the rotten culture of, of essentially anything goes when it all costs um, to the, detriment of of essentially like humanity uh that that the astros had going on that seemed to bother the commissioner as much as this actual specific sin and the failure to get all that under control um you know if somebody with a squeaky clean uh some team with a squeaky clean reputation um had come forward or had had this come out about them, I don't think we'd be seeing the punishments that we have now. And which is not to say that MLB is singling out the Astros or they have it in for the Astros. I think, you know, from everything that we've seen reported, they absolutely deserve this kind of special attention. But I think that raises the question of whether this punishment is commensurate for the the gains that the Astros had from this scheme. And I think, uh, Ben, you've done some statistical analysis that showed it's kind of unclear how much stealing signs affected the Astros offense. And even in the report itself, uh, Manford quotes a couple players, uh, anonymously, of course, who say that uh, they found the scheme not effective and, in fact, distracting. So it's unclear whether it worked, but it's certain that the Astros cheated when they won the World Series. And sure, they're losing draft picks and Uh, The owner is fined and the manager and GM are gone, but the Astros still won that World Series. And I think it goes to show that there's no real way to punish this level of cheating uh, that can take away the joy and the memories of Houston winning uh, in seven games in the ALCS against the Yankees when coincidentally or not, all four wins came at home and winning in seven games against the Dodgers when a big theme of that series was the Astros decoding the Dodgers pitcher signs. And I think whether banging on a trash can was the reason for that, we'll never know, but like it was kind of worth it, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say whether they won because of that, but there is some chance that they did. And if there was any on-field benefit, if that on-field benefit made the difference between them winning the world series and not, then yeah, one would think that Astros fans probably take it. I mean, certainly some Astros fans out there probably feel terrible about this and the title is tainted for them and maybe they can't enjoy it anymore, but they, I'm sure, enjoyed it at the time. And it is hard to retroactively take away the pleasure one derives from one's team winning. And I I guess the only way that you could really do it is to meaningfully affect the future performance of that team. And it's difficult to do that without suspending the players. And of course, there's, there's no discipline for the players here. And I think we all understand why that is. A, 
I guess partly they wanted to get the info from the players, and so they had to give them certain promises about not prosecuting them. But I think more than that, it's hard to establish which players did what and when, and did they benefit from it? And it's also the fact that you know some of the players from that team are on other teams now, and what do you do about that? And then, of course, if there were discipline for the players, then the Players Association would have to be involved, and they would just want to protect their players. And, and defend them. And so it would take a very long time to establish penalties and this would drag on and on and the story would be very bad for baseball. So I don't really fault MLB for not punishing players, although it does seem somewhat strange that the players who probably had a big hand in instigating this and certainly perpetuated it and perhaps benefited from it are the ones who are sort of getting off scot-free here. I agree with you that it's just that I find it a little suspicious that, uh, not suspicious, but unsatisfying that we're not seeing for all intents and purposes from what the report says that, you know, as much as Alex Cora was involved, this scheme needed the players. Like they were the ones who actually, uh, did a lot of this stuff and they're not getting punished. But at the same time, I understand that, yeah, I I'm okay with major league baseball sort of making the making the unilateral decision that that it's just more trouble than it's worth than to try to figure out you know does x player have 10 games worth of culpability or does another one have 20 and it's just it makes my head spin so we you know we could do without that um but in terms of so this is what zach's point is sort of what my media column was based on which was the idea that if these are the punishments for doing what the Astros did, it absolutely seems worth it. This doesn't seem like a deterrent, uh, certainly not at the organizational level, because while Major League Baseball or the the Manford report uh, singles out that Luno and, and Hinch, even if they weren't the people who were doing this, were culpable because they were in charge and didn't do anything to stop it. Like I like that message. I think that's a really good message to to send. But at the same time, it turn around turns around and exonerates Jim Crane and the rest of of Astros ownership uh, outside of baseball operations as if as if they're completely separate. As if the the culture of one doesn't influence the other. And so, I, you know, I find that a little bit too convenient that that Luna can't pin this all on on Taubman or Hinch can't pin this all on Cora and then get away with it. But now Jim Crane is doing that to Luna and Hinch. And so that is a little bit unsatisfying. But at the same time, the point, like you can't vacate a championship. And even and even organizations that do are one, the like the NCAA, the IOC, organizations that have the least legitimacy and popular support because they're run by buffoons like this is not what competent sporting organizations do but by getting the truth out there as best as we understand it through the reporting uh at the athletic and now this major league baseball report uh you can determine the legitimate the legitimacy of this title on their own and so i on some level i actually really like that i think that that's how these like that is an appropriate punishment that this is going to turn a lot of people off or this is going to make people think differently that, that there is a reputational hit that I think is an appropriate punishment going forward for the Astros and now the, the people who have been suspended. 
Yeah, what's missing from this report and the previous reports is any clear link between the front office and the scheme in in terms of a top-down directive, a real orchestration of what was happening here, which doesn't mean that that link doesn't exist. It just means that it hasn't been documented yet. And I think that is part of the punishment that we're seeing here. The MLB report alleges that Lunau was aware of the replay room monitor sign-stealing scheme, or at least that he was copied on emails where it was referenced. He has denied in a subsequent statement being aware that any rules were broken. And it is sort of hard to believe that someone who is around the team always and fully invested in the team and talking to everyone on the team could be completely unaware of something that everyone on the team Uh, was aware of. It's more than hard to believe, particularly someone that detail-oriented, who's made his entire career out of squeezing the... I'm not going to say the phrase, but making those those marginal uh, gains like that's the Astros are just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. This is the whole the whole myth is they're a little bit better because they pay attention to to these little minute ways that they can uh, that they can uh, use to add up to a larger advantage. So, like, I I just simply don't believe that he didn't know the rules were being broken. Yeah, well, so what Luno was punished for here is negligence, essentially. He didn't inform the the field staff, the players, according to this report, of the directive from September 2017 that said they can't do this, that reminded them that the penalties would be harsh. He just sat on that, it sounds like. And there's no other evidence directly linking him to this, so I understand why you can't hold him accountable for that beyond just, well, he's the boss and the buck stops with the GM, at least in baseball operations, and so he is held responsible for it. I think one of the things that I was most curious about coming into this was the role of A.J. Hinch, and we were just discussing this off-air a little bit, but that was, I think, one of the mysteries that was still lingering. What did Hinch know, and what did he do, if anything, to stop this? Because, of course, you know, we're just talking about how it, it strains credulity to think that Luno might not know about the scheme. Well, obviously, if you're the manager of the team and you're sitting in the dugout every day, you have to hear the trash can banging. And this report does establish that Hinch was aware of it. And I think the most bizarre detail in the report is that Hinch on multiple occasions sabotaged (laughs) the video room replay monitor in an attempt to stop this temporarily and yet never told anyone to stop doing it. This was just like his silent protest, which is very odd. Like, on the one hand, he's remorseful. And so, okay, maybe he has a conscience. Maybe he feels bad about this. Maybe he disapproved of it at the time. But if anything, I think that lowers my opinion of him that he objected to this so strongly and yet didn't lift a finger to stop it. And, and there's there's something in the report. Uh, players are cited as saying, well, if Hinch had said even once that you have to knock this off, that they would have immediately. Now, who knows if that's actually true? But the point is, it, it sounds like he never said anything about it. And he is really, I think, the person most responsible for clubhouse conduct. I mean, yeah, Luno is putting the team together and he's Hinch's boss, but Hinch is the man on the spot every day. And the fact that he knew about this and and really strenuously objected about it and yet did nothing other than trying to break the monitor, that stands out to me as, I think, the most surprising part of this report. Yeah, that does strike me as bizarre that, like you said, that I I could see him tacitly disapproving and then not doing something to stop it. But if you feel strongly enough to to 
sabotage the equipment that the players are using to do this, then certainly you feel strongly enough to issue a direct order to your bench coach and your players to right. tell them to knock it off. Like, so, was he afraid I'm, that there'd be a, a team a revolt? Mutiny? And, I don't. Yeah, I really have no Lord idea. Lord of the Flies situation or something. I don't. I don't know what was going I, on. I don't. I I offer no excuses for that because I find that behavior just as bizarre as, as you it i don't know baseball clubhouses are a weird place it does strike me yes. as really strange that that he'd go so far as to to do that without actually putting a stop to it but it seems like with the the report saying that jim crane wasn't involved and it was unclear if luna was involved and that hinch disapproved of it it's really piling the bulk of the blame at Alex Cora's feet, painting him as the mastermind. I, I noted in my piece that Alex Cora, even though he wasn't punished here, uh, his name appeared 11 times in a nine page report, which is more than once per page. That's a lot. And Manfred wrote that he was involved in multiple different attempts to steal signs and that he quote, participated in both schemes and through his active participation implicitly condoned the player's conduct. And that kind of gets at what we were talking about here, that the players themselves aren't punished. It's the people above them because they're the ones setting the example for the players. And it seems like this report is saying that Alex Cora set the worst example. The report says that Alex Cora was the one who oversaw the installation of the monitor in the tunnel uh, which uh, allowed for the entire scheme to take place at all. So Cora's punishment is coming uh, when this other investigation into whether the Red Sox stole signs when they won the World Series in 2018 is completed. And I don't know what his punishment is going to be. The Athletic noted that there has only been one occasion in MLB history in which a manager was suspended for more than a year. That was when Pete Rose was banned for life for gambling. So is there a middle ground? Can Will they just say, well, what Cora did was twice as bad as Hinch, so we're going to suspend him for two years? Or will he get the death penalty uh, job-wise? And I'm not really sure what's going to happen with that, but it seems like his punishment has to be more severe than what Hinch got, given their respective portrayals in this report. Yeah, and you'd think that he probably wouldn't be employable for the next few years, at least, regardless. I mean, whatever the the punishment is, one would think that he will be the next to be let go. And I guess there's a larger conversation about will we see any of these guys again? And if so, when and where and how long is the appropriate time to wait and punish them beyond MLB's punishment? That's a a conversation that we could have as well. But it is striking because you have these guys who are revered as leaders of men, right? I mean, Alex uh, Cora was... I mean, as soon as he got to Boston, it was every story was uh, about how he was so inspiring. And and I guess he was inspiring. But, you know, if you're a leader of men and you're leading them into sign stealing, that's one way you can lead also. Yeah. I, well, let's have that conversation because that is sort of the conversation that we were having, because I my inclination is to say that, again, Luno's punishment here is not like this this just doesn't strike me as being about the sign stealing this is the Taubin thing this is the uh the the way that that the organization handled that it's it's the messy pr about all the the press they've gotten about his uh his ties to mckinsey i think he's just become sort of an avatar for toxicity and i think he makes an easy scapegoat for major league baseball um 
instead of actually going back and addressing a lot of the issues within the league's incentive structure that, that cause people to act this way. Um, although I can hear Craig Goldstein's voice in my head saying, well, this is why we have ethics. I, I think just the sh- that ship has sailed, frankly, that uh, to a certain extent that in the short term, at least we've got to treat these, you know, we got to treat these people like they're just acting in their own uh, rational self-interest to the exclusion of all other things as, as disappointing as that, as that can be anyway. So because of that, because this comes on the, the heels of so many things that, that have come out about Jeff Lunau, my inclination is to say that he doesn't work again in baseball. Whereas Hinch, I think he can come back from that. I think up until honestly, up until the, I started really thinking about the, why did he just, why did he sabotage the monitors without actually delivering the order to stop? I would have said he was the best manager in baseball and that I think he can come back from this. Um, you know, and the, the way he's portrayed in, in the report is that I don't know, you can, ex, you, ex, you can explain that behavior away. So I think Someday, maybe not next season, maybe the season after that, he comes back and manages in the big leagues again or coaches in the big leagues or work, works in a front office again. Um, I am less optimistic for Jeff Luna. Yeah, I mean, I think you could make a you case. You seem to think the opposite, though, when we were talking earlier. Well, I mean, first of all, I don't know that there's that strong a case for hiring either of them anytime soon because there are a lot of qualified candidates for the jobs they do. And maybe Luno and and Hinch are among the very best at those jobs. I think they probably are. But what's the difference between them and the next best available candidate? It's probably not that huge. And given that the next best available candidate doesn't come with this baggage, doesn't have your team immediately being branded as okay with employing a sign stealer or someone who presided over sign stealing and all the other reputational hit that that comes with Luno. I mean, I think in the sense that Luno built the best team in baseball and I think did that regardless of the sign stealing. I think there might be other owners out there who might say, well, we really want to win and will our fans be that upset if he gives us another World Series? Eh, They'll probably forgive us in the long run. So I could see that happening. I just don't know. I think that the upside you get from hiring one of the best GMs is higher than the upside you get from hiring one of the best managers just because the roles are different and a GM can make more of an impact in that role. So in that sense, it's like, well, what are you getting from Hinch? You're getting maybe a, a few wins in either direction. Is that sort of the the range we're talking about with even the best manager? So then is that worth it? I think we've certainly seen people rehired after doing bad things in baseball. And I think probably people are less inclined to rehire someone if they did something that negatively impacted the team's performance or profits, right? Not just that they overstepped some moral boundary or or broke some ethical code or something. I, I think baseball employers will forgive that if you're still making the baseball team better. And you could argue that in this case, well, if anything, the sign stealing probably made the Astros better. And I guess the the counter case would be, well, they're paying for it now just because they're taking this hit to their reputation and the title is tainted and they're losing draft picks and all that. Although, as we were just saying, they still have that World Series and that's not going away. So wouldn't be shocked if either of them got rehired, but not sure you could make that strong a case to hire them over the next best available person either. Yeah. Well, I think if this entire scheme proves anything about MLB teams, 
It's that they do whatever it takes to win. And if there is an ownership group, for instance, that thinks that hiring Lunau to oversee a player development overhaul or a tank or whatever else they think Lunau would be able to do, they would hire him. I think uh, when I saw this punishment, the first analogy that came to mind was the Bounty Gate scandal in the NFL, which for those who aren't familiar, basically the New Orleans Saints about a decade ago uh, had a secret slush fund that they used and paid defensive players if they injured uh, opponents. And there were suspensions and loss of draft picks and all sorts of punishments. But of the main architects of that of that program, one of them, Greg Williams, who is the defensive coordinator, has subsequently been hired by four different Still teams. Still working. And by the way, is nowhere near as good at his job as Henry yeah, Lunau. He is yeah. not a good coordinator. The reason he's worked for four different teams is because he keeps getting fired and then hired by a new team. And then the other architects of this program are still with the Saints. So obviously there's not a direct parallel there because Luna and Hinch are now gone from Houston. But I think it goes to show that teams will take whatever fractional marginal advantages they can. And Luna, as you're saying, Ben, if he's as potentially good in the future at overseeing a baseball development program as he was in Houston, that's more than a marginal upgrade. And I think that's where in this report that Manfred wrote, that's, I think, the part that was most forceful, where he talks about how Lunau was simultaneously one of the most successful general managers in the sport, credited with turning his team into a contender and building an industry leader in analytics that you know has inspired books and chapters in books, but at the same time, creating this culture that has led to all of these toxic matters that we're discussing. And yeah, I think a lot of teams would tolerate the the latter if they get the former alongside it. I'll say this too. Like you I just used when we were talking off air, I used Gabe Kapler as as a counterexample. Here's someone who is accused of I don't know, looking the other way or negligence in, in far more troubling ways than than what uh Hinch and Luna are being suspended for, was nowhere near as successful, got fired by the Phillies and was hired by the Giants in like a day and a half. And so it I, I think that, I don't know, it, as, as much as I said this could be a career ender for Luna, maybe, it, you know, I, I would not be surprised to to find out I was wrong about that. Um, it's, yeah, like you said, it's it's all about the, I don't know, I, I don't even want to say winning anymore because it's clearly not about that if we're looking at at some of the the trades and free agent decisions that are being made by, by big market teams, but there's like a, uh, let's just say like a, a an antipathy or apathy towards uh, ethics as a standard of behavior. And I so maybe these guys don't end up having any long-term career repercussions from this. To be frank, that matter is a lot you know more stark and less fun to talk about than some of the lighter elements of this report because it kind of confirms what we had been laughing about for two months, which is that it's this weird combination of new tech with these really zoomed in hyper-focused cameras from center field with banging on a trash can. And there's a parenthetical in this piece uh, or in this report about how the Astros like met as a team and they were like, should we whistle to inform our hitters? No, that won't work. Should we clap? No, no, that won't work. Let's bang a trash can instead. And like, I want to be a fly on the wall of that meeting because that's where you can make light of the situation and remember that baseball is a game versus all of these rightfully heavier, weightier topics that 
kind of get at the whole integrity aspect. And that's a lot less fun to consider. So there, there are two other things that I want to, and one of them segues, we segue easily into that, is how much, so I look at this and, you know, it's, as gravely as we're talking about this, I still do kind of find this whole thing farcical. Oh, that, definitely. Uh, as a, <laughs> as like, if you're going to ask, are the Astros good because they were stealing signs on the continuum of that to, to this didn't really work at all. I'm closer to the, to the second end of that. Like I, I'm maybe they gained some advantage, but this was, this was a great team because the players on it were really good. Uh, and maybe this put them over the top. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think it is a little facile, uh, to just, planet as the Astros won the World Series because they cheated because I don't really I don't really know how how true that is um so how you know I I alluded earlier to now that we have this information we can make our own determinations on the legitimacy of of this title of the Astros 2018 season and maybe you know some people are going to extrapolate uh years in either direction from that but I'm curious you know where I come down is I sort of view this as sort of like the, the, you know, Zach, you said bounty gate. I would say spy gate with the Patriots that like, I don't know, maybe it mattered, but it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to go around wearing like a Dodgers world series championship t-shirt from 2017 because of this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for one thing, I wouldn't be too confident that any individual other team wasn't That's doing something, <laughs> you know, I mean, the the Brewers at one point, people in the Brewers accused the Dodgers of stealing signs, and then people have since accused the Brewers of stealing signs. So uh, certainly the the less elaborate means that we're talking about here, the, the replay room video monitor, every team has that. It seems like the Red Sox under Cora were using that. The Astros were also using that. Wouldn't shock me in the slightest if other teams were doing that too. As for, I guess, what level of legitimacy we assign to that World Series in retrospect, I mean, I, I don't think we can say with any certainty. And I think that's kind of the, the punishment. That's the upshot of it. We can't say with certainty. I agree with you that this would have been a very good team regardless. I mean, we just saw the Astros go to Game 7 of the World Series in 2019. and If thus you far, believe that they actually stopped doing this. Right, of course. Uh, you know, thus far, there's no evidence that they continued to do it. This report says they didn't do it in the same ways. Perhaps they found some new, even more ingenious method that we'll find out about or never find out about. Who knows? But I mean, these players are are very good players, I think. That said, there's just no way to say with any certainty whether in that universe where they win the World Series, I mean, if you could simulate that season a million times, do they win the World Series without sign stealing? Usually more than half the time. Yeah, I, I'd say they probably do. But you don't get to simulate it a million times. And it's possible that they picked up one little tip that made all the difference in a big game. So there's just no way to rule that out. And now I think forevermore will associate this team with sign stealing. And a lot of people will perceive it as they won because they cheated. And whether or not that's accurate, that's uh, going to be a big start, a big part of the 2017 Astros story forever. So that's part of the punishment here, even though it's not really specified in the report. Every year for ESPN, Sam Miller writes about this is going to be the one thing we remember about this season, you know, in the history books, 50, 100 years from now. And I think 
at this point, we have to conclude that the sign-stealing scandal will be what is remembered from the 2017 season, kind of like how the Black Sox scandal was remembered 100 years ago. And of course, the Black Sox did not win the World Series, but it's the same kind of association, I think. There weren't any lifetime bans here like there were for the Black Sox, but I think the fact that Luno and Hinch were gone for a year and then fired really uh, will help affirm that in the history books. Not that, again, it changes the the emotions in the moment of what the Astros and all of their fans experienced. But I think from a historical perspective, you can't talk about what the 2017 Astros accomplished without referencing the sign stealing. And if we're also talking about, I know at the end of 2019, there was a lot of debate about which team was the team of the decade. I think if it turns out that sign stealing was more widespread than just Houston, which as you know, Ben was probably the case. It's just more evidence that, the Astros encapsulated uh, all of what was happening in baseball over the last decade, both uh, positive and negative. Right. It, a, it depends how you really define things, which is something I wrestled with when I was writing about Team of the Decade. So I, I wrote about that before the first reports about sign stealing surfaced. And I said at the time that I thought the Astros were the Team of the Decade, not necessarily just because of their on-field success, but because they were really emblematic of a lot of trends in that decade, both bad and good. And so on the one hand, their accomplishments, their on-field success have been called into question a little bit by the subsequent reports. And so the case for them as a successful team of the decade has been slightly weakened, but the case for them as a representative team of the decade is probably even stronger than it was then. So uh, what I'm hearing is we we are all in a position where uh, we think the asterisk joke is funny, but not to the point where we're all writing into baseball reference to to try to you know get the the record changed or something like that. Yeah, by all means, make the jokes, but but yes, always would, make the jokes. <laughs> yes, when I write about the 2017 Astros in the future, I will not add a parenthetical that the title should not be theirs. <laughs> Uh, so there's there's one more thing, and this is sort of an ancillary thing, but I think it needs to be brought up because um, this is just sort of getting getting lost in the immediate first day, you know, reactions. It's been big reactions for, and I think for you know appropriately. Um, but there is an element that baseball has to. I think one of the reasons that Major League Baseball threw the book at the Astros like this is it's it now has a financial stake in gambling. Uh, with the partnership with with MGM. And I think that now there are like the stakes for putting for the game appearing crooked uh, are as high as they've been in I don't know, maybe literally 100, 100 years since the, the last big gambling scandal. And so I, you know, we're feeding data to gamblers now. Uh, we Major League Baseball is feeding data to gamblers now. They're inviting, you know, a, a revenue stream based on the premise that the sport is on the up and up. And I think that gives a, a greater uh, incentive for the league to come down really hard on anything that, you know, any behavior that is out of bounds that impacts the, the outcome of individual games. So this is why, you know, I don't, I don't think this is among the, the 20 most evil things that, that baseball or that, that like a, a baseball team has done over, over, out of the past decade or so, but this is going to get the big punishment because it threatens uh, yeah, the the seeming legitimacy of the sport. Not in the same way that that you know Pete Rose betting on his own team or the Black Sox throwing games. Uh, not in the same way that that does, but I think it does 
you know, it tilts the scales in a way that that uh, makes the game look like it's not entirely on the level. And that's uniquely threatening to the sport now. I think that's also where all of the angst about the ball comes in. I think they're connected in this same matter of integrity or legitimacy, as you say, because if we don't know how the ball is going to behave and the ball fluctuates game to game in ways that affect outcomes, then, yeah, that's also going to affect gambling results. And I think you're right that it adds another layer of reason for people to care about this and reason for, you know, whenever you add more money to something that adds a lot more attention and potential controversy. So I think teams won't stop trying to gain an edge, but I think there are a lot of ways that teams try and gain an edge that doesn't directly affect uh, outcomes that people would be gambling on. For instance, gaming the Latin American bonus system that has happened time and again, it probably will continue to keep happening, but you're not gambling on which team will sign the 16-year-old Dominican shortstop like you are, which We're team will win. We're not gambling on that. Yeah. I know some people who probably, <laughs> who, who but, are like, they're they're still underwater from uh, the Kevin Maiton scandal. Well, yes, but the, the volume, I, I think, and legitimacy are not the same. So you're shrewd to point that out because teams won't stop trying to gain an edge. And if it, manifest in this way or in other ways that directly affect the on-field product, then that's a whole new layer of concern with which MLB kind of has a fraught relationship, or at least has had a fraught relationship in the past before now embracing it with more open arms. Ben, do you have anything that this is not like, you know, front page news, but I think it's or a front front page aspect of that story, but I, I think it just needs to be mentioned. Yeah, it makes sense. I hadn't really considered the implications of that before you brought it up before we started recording, but I think it's a good point. And if you're hoping to attract vast amounts of money from people wagering on your sport, well, some of those people are going to be skeptical about doing that if they don't think they can predict it. And one reason why they wouldn't be able to predict it is if there's sign stealing happening that we can't really detect or, or know when it's happening. So I would think that, yes, you you want the games to be on the level for many reasons, but gambling and the attention that comes from that is potentially a, an enormous thing for MLB as well as all the other sports. But MLB, arguably, maybe more than many sports, just because there are so many things you could bet on. You could bet on real-time pitch-to-pitch predictions, and obviously that would be influenced potentially by sign stealing. The Astros could have done that and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and made back that entire $5 million if they just got sure. fined. <laughs> All right, that's everything that that I had on, on my rundown. Did did we miss anything that that either of you guys want to talk about? I guess we could consider Carlos Beltran, right? He is uh, mentioned oh, yeah. in the report. Boy, He's been mentioned. The Mets just <laughs> just stumbled into another one. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, so it- Beltran is mentioned in the report just once, and it's kind of odd that he's singled out because it it just says approximately two months into the 2017 season, a group of players, including Carlos Beltran, discussed that the team could improve on decoding opposing team signs and communicating the signs to the batter. So it just says Carlos Beltran was there. It doesn't attribute, you know, ringleaderness to him, although I think one of the earlier athletic reports had implied or suggested that he did have a, a pretty core role in encouraging this or bringing this to the team. But maybe the fact that the MLP report mentions him by name and, and no one else, that could just be because the athletic already reported it. I don't know. But he is 
really the only former Astros player named in here, right? Other than, I guess, Mike Fires, who who whistled blue and started this whole thing. So, yeah, as far as, yeah, yeah so, I might have missed somebody, but I, I don't remember anybody else, else being mentioned. Yeah, so the question is, I mean, he's not punished here because he was a, a player at the time and no players were punished, but now he has been hired to manage the Mets and they could just say, well, he was a player at the time and so we're not going to punish him either. But especially given the Cora precedent now that Cora brought this from the Astros to the Red Sox, seemingly, and then, you know, brought dishonor upon their house. Now the Mets maybe have to be worried that Beltron could do the same. I mean, one would think that he would be smart enough not to do that now, given all this increased scrutiny. But, you know, it is possible, I suppose, that Mets management could just say, well, we don't trust a cheater to be the one overseeing our clubhouse and leading our team. I'd be somewhat surprised if that happens, but I I would love to have my definition of irony expanded. <laughs> it's uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could at least be in hot water and, and have to answer questions here because I believe that he also denied any knowledge of this previously. And so I guess, you know, he can continue to deny it. Luno has denied that he knew anything. Beltron could too, but Given all of these revelations, it seems quite difficult to persist in maintaining that you knew nothing and yet we're in that clubhouse all year. Just for the uh, the content cycle, don't you think that the Mets should just fire Brody Van Wagenen tomorrow and hire Jeff Luno? <laughs> well, he's suspended. So what do you have to... <laughs> yeah, they have to wait, wait one year after the World Series. Wait a year? Wait a year and then hire Jeff Luno, but announce it now. That would be a Mets oh, move. Oh, <laughs> I, I support anything the Mets do for, for hashtag content. All right. Uh, so if that's everything that we got, we've been running, I think, a little longer than we intended to on this podcast. Uh, the season is fast approaching. So we will be back uh, probably sometime around early March uh, with our regularly scheduled um, with our regularly scheduled programming. Until then, we will continue to, to reconvene for any uh unexpected news of this nature i will say come back to us on uh, february 25th when mookie bets gets gets traded we'll have a uh, another emergency podcast up then but until then i, I always enjoy uh, hearing from you guys yeah you too i'm busy looking at spencer turnbull's 2019 stats he was good and he had a he three was and so seven- he was really good <laughs> he had I mean, a he three really and 17 good. record the tigers are incredible oh you guys yeah, are in I- mid-season form talking college I'm putting, baseball. I'm, I put this out there. I am going to... Spencer Turnbull is no longer a college. Yeah, yes, right. That's true. Roll Tide. Sorry, uh, I'm thinking of Spencer Torkelson. Oh, yeah, Spencer Torkelson. <laughs> uh, I saw... I think it was Chris Crawford said he would have been... A, he would make him a top three pick behind my guy Emerson Hancock of the University of Georgia. Anyway, yeah. we'll be back to talk Detroit Tigers and, and the draft. And uh, since you guys have expressed a willingness to talk college baseball, we're going to dig deep into that. <laughs> Uh, later this spring but uh, until until there's further malfeasance I, I suppose i have to say goodbye all right talk to you next until time then. thanks everybody for listening we'll see you next time